Thanks for pressing play. Welcome to this very special episode. Is peace really possible? You see, our guest today says that it is. Prem Rowett is an international phenomenon. He's been teaching peace since he was a little boy in India. He became a counterculture icon in the 60s and the 70s as Americans sought out different ideas and beliefs. He's been the source of great controversy and massive followership. Prem has been sought out and welcomed by spiritual, social, political, and business leaders around the world. Millions have heard him speak and taken his courses. The Prem Rowat Foundation teaches Prem's peace education program in places as diverse as prisons, uh, countries ravaged by war, schools, universities, uh, police organizations, veteran centers, and in hospitals in over 80 countries and six continents. And Prem has a new book out. It's called Hear Yourself, How to Find Peace in a Noisy World. And we get into all of it. And I know I say this a lot, but this is another extraordinary example of the power of a real dialogue uh, podcast. Because other than sitting down with Prem yourself, this is the only way um, to get an unedited real view into uh, an extraordinary man and pay special attention to Prem's thoughts on the current situation in the United States of America. Also, I need to say a deep, uh, profound thank you to my brother from another mother, David Schimberg, for helping to make this conversation possible. You're listening to Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different. Our listeners have made us an award-winning, chart-topping dialogue podcast. And that means we feature real, unedited conversations with the legendary people who are making our world a different place. Don't forget to go to Lockhead.com and check out Category Pirates, our new chart-topping uh, newsletter. My friends at HalloApp.com are the leading new platform for real relationships. If you've had it with traditional social media and you want a real place to connect to your real friends, family, and colleagues, check out H-A-L-L-O-A-P-P.com today. My friends at NetSuite are the leading cloud ERP system. They are the platform for growth for your business. Check out netsuite.com slash different today. And my friends at Splunk are the leaders in data to everything. Visit splunk.com slash D, the number two, and the letter E. Now, hey-ho, let's go. Prem, as you might imagine, I have many, many questions to ask you. But before I start, I'm very curious, what's on your mind these days? Well, there's a lot going on, you know, and sometimes you just have to ask yourself, why? Why does all this drama of the chaos has to happen? Um, you know, we get hit by a virus and then the next thing you know, all the you know, everything becomes political. And then all of a sudden, all these countries are really taking seriously, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And, and, and you look at the drama. I mean, drama. I mean, our, our, has the humanity become a drama queen <laughs> these days? Or are we still human beings? Uh, and that's just what comes to mind. You know, it's just when you sit down in your quiet moments, you go, I wonder why. Why does this have to happen? And so 
What is it about the nature of human beings, the human condition, so to speak, that uh, seeks out drama like we're clearly, uh, I would say, experiencing, some might say enjoying right now in the world? Well, you know, here's, here's the paradox, because you look at human beings, and as human beings, we're remarkable. I mean, we've, we've been able to conquer disease. We've been able to invent so many wonderful things that, that has helped other people. And at the same time, you know, that we can create med- medicine that can, that can prolong life. We can also create machine guns that can take away the lives. So we always live in this paradox. And I always feel that we have to choose, you know, and, and, and I talk about peace. And I feel that we have to choose peace. It's not just going to happen automatically. It's not going to drop from the sky, you know, on people, whether they like it or not. Um, It's just that's something that we have to choose. And the question then becomes, is that what we're choosing? You know, and the answer is no, that's not what we're choosing. We're choosing drama. We're choosing entertainment. We're choosing to ignore it in, in, in all ways. But we're not choosing what we should be choosing, which is peace. And so many of us would say, when asked, I certainly would myself, I would say I choose peace. I would say I try to be a peaceful person, both in terms of my relationship with myself, my spiritual relationship, and my relationship with others. Um, And yet, we seem to be attracted to everything but peace um, as a race. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, do you really like chewing gum? (laughs) And, 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 and you sit down and you ask somebody a question and they may answer it a certain way. But then what happens? All day long as we are going around, we're not thinking about peace. We're thinking about, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to park my car. I got to put enough coins in my meter. I mean, am I going to get a ticket? Every time we see a police officer on the side of the road, we look at the rear view mirror. Is he coming out or is he still parked? So in reality, what does peace really mean to us? You know, is peace an experience that comes from within us or is peace some definition that we heard about when we were going through our high school? <laughs> so that, that's, that's a very pertinent question, I think. And of course, um, in your book, and I want to say thank you very much for, um, for writing this wonderful book. It was um, a real joy spending time with this. It comes across loud to me, tell me if I'm interpreting it the way you would want me to, that uh, really, um, and many and many other spiritual leaders have talked about this, philosophical leaders have talked about this in the past, that peace comes from within, that I can't have peace in my world unless I have peace within me. Well, peace is already within you. You have to gain access to it. And that's what this book is all about, about getting in touch with yourself. Um, you know, because we are so distracted. We are so distracted. In fact, being with yourself in, a, in an environment is considered the worst form of punishment you can possibly have. And that is a pretty sad state of affairs when it comes to ourselves, that being with you, just being with you, is the worst thing you could have ever ever do, and that's 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 pretty amazing. And why is it like that? You know what 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 happened? Uh, where did we become 
so attracted to everything else that we became distracted from ourselves. And yet it is, the life is mine. This is my life. I mean, I was born and one day I have to go. It's not like the world's going to disappear and I'm going to be here. No, I'm going to be gone. The world's going to go on. Band will play. Uh, people will say things. Uh, things will go on. But I won't be here. And this is the limited time that I have. And so how am I using it? What am I doing with it? And this is, these are the questions, I feel. You know, and that, that's what inspired me to write this book. And why now? I mean, you have spoken internationally since you were a boy, you know, had audiences with heads of state around the world spoken on massive stages. And so you've had opportunities and created opportunities for yourself to share your message of peace uh, for many, many decades now. And, and so why this book and why this book now, Prem? Well, I just really felt that so much had transpired in my own life. You know, that I really saw that just going out there, standing behind a microphone and saying nice things to people isn't it. There has to be a little bit more than that. And that's where this book came, because this book is going to hopefully spark some debates, some interest, some thirst amongst people. And uh, I look forward to that. I really I really see that that can be a wonderful thing. That it's not just a passive thing. Is like, oh, yeah, we should all have peace, and that should be the beginning and the end of it. So one of the things that comes through loudly in the book, and, and you write it right here, says uh, everything you need is within you. And yet we live in a world that tells us we're not enough, that tells us we need all these things, that tells us we need to look different and sound different and be different. And to your point, we're permanently distracted to the point where the most horrible thing we could be is be with ourselves. We call that being bored. And if you ask most people, they, they are tr- trying very hard not to be bored. And yet you begin here or early in the book, you say everything you need is within you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, I mean, we have been, you know, it's, it's, it's a question of sour grapes because it's like the fox jumps and can't get to the grapes. So the grapes are sour. So it's like, you know, People try to have peace. They search for peace. Um, and, you know, what, what, if you're searching for your glasses that are on top of your head and you're looking everywhere except there, <laughs> you're never going to find them. And so you can say, and as a lot of people say it this way, you know, it's like, oh, no, peace is not possible. It's not going to happen. You know, I, more than once I have come across people who um, – have said, what do you do? And I said, well, I talk about peace. And people go, that's never going to happen. That's never, ever going to happen. And it's like, why? When the peace is already inside of us, why isn't it ever going to happen? And isn't it up to us? If we can create wars, right there is the clue. If we can create wars, why can't we create peace? Why, you know, and, and not that, that, that lack of war is the peace that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a peace that is within inside a human being that is to be in in that place of of joy of that understanding of that clarity uh and and truly truly enjoying life not trying to say okay i need some gadget i need something that will allow me to enjoy life but to enjoy life as it is and so when i think about this i I think of an interesting dichotomy here um most major governments have 
and they normally call it something a little more polite than this, but a department of war. The governments have a monopoly on violence, certainly violence at scale, and they typically call it defense, of course, Then they have a defense minister or somebody along those lines. But countries have a department of war and they have armies and so forth. And yet um, most countries don't have a department of peace and, a, and, a, and a, a minister in charge of peace. And so it seems like an interesting miss to me. I'm curious what you think about that, Prem. Well, I think that uh, when, when, when people way up there came up with mad mutual assured destruction, I thought that was the, the, the period for peace. I mean, that was like, okay, that's not going to happen that way, where somebody's going to get elected based on peace. Um, you know, right now, uh, we've, got, we've got in America, we have basically uh, a party system, and one party says turn left, the other one doesn't even care. It's just, no, we're going to make, make a right turn. And in this kind of a situation, uh, how will the human beings go forward? That that becomes, you know, the the real issue, the real question. How will human beings respond to the challenge that is in front of them right now? And and that, that challenge truly is that. You know, do you really want peace in your life or not? This is a decision that I think people have to take. That, that okay, fine. Where is it? We'll talk about that. But are you serious about peace? Are you serious about making a change in this world? You know, when, when, when uh, a teenager gets up behind a microphone and says, hey, don't destroy my environment, and politicians, all they have to say is, oh, you're a spoiled brat. I mean, we are not serious about peace. That is obvious. And before I say anything on the subject, um, I started talking about peace when I was four years old. But before I say anything about it, the question really is, are we serious about this issue? Because otherwise, the whole thing is going to get lost on government. You know, government gets up at the time of elections and says all these incredible things and not one single thing comes true <laughs> and yet we keep voting we, we keep voting for the people and believing and trusting and this has been going on not just for one year but for year after year i mean every four years the elections come and here we go and it's like we're suckered into this are we serious about this are we serious about our betterment or not because if we are, then we have to bring about some changes. And we have to bring about these changes in a real way. And it begins with each one of us. It doesn't begin with the society. It just begins with each one of us. We are the bricks that makes up this building. And our strength matters. Our clarity matters. Each one of our clarity matters. So you used a word there that um, really speaks to me, Prem, which is uh, the word strength. And so I'm curious how you think about strength and peace. Well, if you are not strong, you're not going to understand what peace is. If peace is inside of you, when you shine, the peace shines with you. 
But if you are in cloaked in all your concepts and ideas and 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 all the no, it can't happen, all the negativity, then you don't have the strength to shine, and you need to have that strength. Peace is about strength. Peace is not about boredom. Peace is about good stuff. Peace is about beauty. Peace is about going forward. Peace is about enthusiasm. Peace is about this amazing, amazing, amazing state of being where you truly are yourself. And we don't have the, if I could call it this, the luxury of that, of working on ourselves in that way, if we're not in a secure environment. I would imagine that, you know, in the war-torn parts of the Middle East, in Afghanistan right now, and in some of the, frankly, war-torn parts of the United States, there's some environments in the U.S., as you well know, where, um, you know, the killing is a way of life, and we seem to have gotten numb to it. Uh, when we look at these things, we see human beings with a, with a radical desire to make war. And so if I'm somebody who says, you know, I want peace, I want peace for me, I want peace for my community, and I want peace broadly in the world. If it begins with me, where do I start to have peace in the world? You have to understand that war is an act of cowardness. Violence is an act of cowardness. Peace is an act of strength. And if you want to have peace, you have to first discover your inner strength. And that inner strength is going to be discovered by not listening to the noise, but listening to the clarity that is inside of you. And the clarity says, yes, it is possible. Peace is possible. Peace is inside of you. It's not far from you. Yes, we can change our world. We're the ones that are destroying the world, then we can change it. That's the good news, that we can change it. But if uh, we just keep becoming passive and more passive and more passive and more passive, they're saying, no, somebody else is going to do. You know, this is a disease. Leadership. So we are looking for leaders to change our world. How long are we going to wait? How many thousands? I mean, I'm not talking about months here. I'm not talking about days, weeks. I'm talking about literally thousands and thousands and thousands of years that we have been waiting that some leader is going to come and fix all our problems. I mean, good Lord, you know, patience is one thing. But, I mean, this, this, this crosses all lines of patience. Uh, so far, I'm concerned. Well, and, and a message I hear you saying is, you know, in that sense, we are the ones that we've been waiting for. If I sort of summarize, am I, am I sort of getting this the way you want me to, Bram? Yes, absolutely. You are the angel that you have been waiting for. You are the one that can make a difference in your life. I mean, yes, who else is going to make a difference in your life? So to that end, um, at, the, at the beginning of the book, you talk about mindfulness, and then you talk about the heart. And you say, my heart is the place inside me where I'm deeply happy, not because of anything, but happiness itself. Could you expand upon that for me, Prem? Yes, uh, because my heart does, I, in my mind, I live in duality because mindfulness is all about me and the interaction between me and the society. The heartfulness is the interaction between me and myself. 
And my heart has no dualities. It's not looking for solutions. It, 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 it is saying that the contentment is here. Contentment is here. You are fortunate to be alive. You belong here. You are blessed because the breath comes into you. You exist. Not you're gone. You exist. You are in this moment. You are. And these are the most powerful things that if we could understand what they mean, because we're so obsessed sometimes with death that we forget about what life is. And then when we talk about life, we want to define what life is. But life is nothing to be defined. It is to be lived. And this is what the heart is all about. Would you mind just saying what you said again about um, life is not to be defined? Life, we sit there and we define everything. I mean, that includes the divine to the not so divine. I mean, we don't want to have a conversation if the definitions are not in place. Otherwise, we won't even make sense. And we want to define what this life is. But this life is something to not sit there and define what it is, but it is to be experienced and enjoyed. Uh, to me, you know, it's just like you are given a free ticket to go into this most magnificent shopping center. And there is every kind of shop there. There's every kind of things that you could possibly imagine. And you are told, go for it, go in the shopping center, and you can have anything you want, anything you want. But then there is a caveat. And the caveat is you're only allowed in the shopping center for a limited period of time. And when you leave the shopping center, you cannot take anything with you. That's the caveat. What are you going to do? You cannot take anything with you. So you could sit there and go, I'm not even going to go in there because, you know, there is no reason to. What is the point? Or you could just go in there and really enjoy yourself. I mean, enjoy everything that's there. And then when it's time to go, it's time to go. And to me, it's, it, it, it's a very similar situation. We are given this opportunity to be here and we have the possibility to be alive. And that's, you know, why can't we accept that? Why can't we just accept that this is the possibility that I have been given? This beautiful thing that, that, that is called life and to accept this. Uh, and not to just get, you know, so like, no, uh, my life has to be this way. Otherwise, I cannot accept it. You know, uh, a lot of people become so disappointed in themselves. Uh, they say, oh, my life is horrible. I'm so unfortunate. I'm so this. I'm so that. Because they're just constantly measuring themselves against other people. Uh, you know, they pull up on a light and you see the car next to you. You you go to a restaurant and see, you see, and, and this is what people do. It's like, okay, what did he order? My His looks better than mine. Um, you know, I want that. <laughs> 
So there's so much of that stuff that happens to us. Some of us just want to eat everything on the menu, but that may be a slightly, <laughs> slightly different. <laughs> yeah. um, now, in the book, you quote Socrates as saying, wisdom begins with wonder. And I love your point of view on this. Would you mind expanding upon it for me a little bit, Prem? If we do not wonder what the possibility is, you know, the ultimate possibility uh, of truly saying, okay, maybe I have this limitation, maybe I have this limitation, but more than that, I don't have any limitation on enjoying myself, on being free, on really taking in what it means to exist every single day. Then in that wonderment, so many possibilities open up for me. And I feel that that's what Socrates is saying, and that's what I want to say too, because I agree with that. When I wonder what those possibilities are, it's the whole world that opens up for me. And it's sweet, it's wonderful that that potential exists for me. The use, your use of the word wonderment, I find um, fascinating. We recently had on um, uh, Marty Cooper, who is the father of the creator of the cell phone. And he's in his 90s now, and he's been an engineer and an inventor, um, best I can tell, for, for the most part of his life. And he said to me, Prem, he said, I'm a dreamer. And so there's this interesting choice of words around wonder and dreams. And it seems to me that children are full of wonder. Children seem like they are dreamers. And yet, maybe I'm overly generalizing, but as typically as we grow older, we have less wonderment and, and we stop dreaming the way we, we are as a child. Why do we lose some of these things typically as we age? Because as we get older and older, we get better at beating ourselves to death. I mean, just wonderment goes away when all you look at is the negativity. Uh, wonderment is about the posit positivity. I mean, look at us. Uh, when we come and we come to a room where, you know, if, if, if it smells funny or somebody's crying, or, we don't say what's right. We say what's wrong. I mean... Maybe that person is crying because they're really happy. But to us, that's not the way it is. Then we go immediately, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Not what's right. What's right? What's right? And, and dreaming and wonderment really belongs to those people who know to look at something, what is right? What is right? What is right? And children do that. Children do not look at what is wrong. They don't look at, oh my God, there's no toys in this room. They will start creating their own toys, own games, own things. I mean, I see that with my grandchildren. Uh, there may be nothing there. And the next thing you know, they're dancing, they're doing this or they're doing that. They're running around here, running around there. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, because they can dream, they can, they can see it. They can see it that there is something right. There is something good. I can have that time. But as we get older, 
we just get better at beating ourselves, beating ourselves and beating ourselves. And sometimes I think when we look at the world around us, um, it can be very easy to feel bad about the world and therefore bad about oneself. Um, and so if I were to say to you, Prem, you know, I, I really feel like, well, of course there are many, many good people in the world that, um, there are more bad people in the world than there are good people in the world. The evidence shows me that, um, there is more evil. And while I love a lot of what you say, if not all of what you say, I look around and I see evil and I see pain and I see suffering. What's your response to that? Well, I will, first of all, from my experience, I will say, no, that's not true. There is a lot of good in this world. There is a lot of good in this world. There are a lot of kind people in this world. And sometimes, sometimes all it takes is to get in touch with yourself and you begin to change. Uh, I work with a lot of people. In fact, through my peace education program, um, through my foundation, uh, 160,000 plus people have participated in this peace education program in 70 countries, and it's in 35 different languages. And it's in correctional facilities, 60,000 plus people in the correctional probation and parole systems in 40 countries have gone through this. And when people change, because they get in touch with themselves and they see the possibility of change, they, they become kind, they become peaceful, they become generous, they become, again, they have the wonderment in their eyes and they, they have hope in their eyes. So, yes, there is some very, very bad people, you know, and all it takes is one bad smelly fish to destroy everything, but uh, there is... There's very good people on this on the face of this earth, very generous. Not that they're rich or they have a lot to give, but whatever little they have, they will help each other. Uh, you see people even in the disaster areas helping each other, uh, whatever they can do. Um, so, yes, that's, I'm not saying that there aren't bad people. There are bad people. And sometimes those bad people are pretty powerful, and and they don't they don't care. They've got they've they, you know they've got their justifications for whatever they want to do, but there is a lot of good people on the face of this earth, and that's what gives me hope. That's why I am talking to you today. That's why I sat down and I wrote this book uh, because. There is hope for us. We, it's not a hopeless situation. Even though what is happening around the world is horrible, it is horrible and it shouldn't be like this, but it can change. And that's, that's, that's the way it is. You know, and, and you have to realize also that nobody was born that way. Nobody was born evil. Nobody was born bad. Uh, we were all little babies once upon a time, and we all cod and cooed and did everything else. But then we learned. We learned to become bad. This behavior, slowly and slowly and slowly, we picked up. 
and as 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 uh, human beings we are very good at copying uh, other people i mean to me that's like you know what culture is sometimes all about is just people copying each other copying each other copying each other and uh, you know this is this is just how it happens but there is a way out of it there is a way out of it and maybe my wonderment hasn't stopped so i do dream about the day that there can be peace that 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 we can be nice to each other that doesn't mean we have to go sit in each other's laps and that we have to have flowers in our hairs and you know we have to go dancing and putting up two fingers uh, for the peace sign everywhere but we can we can we can make a go of it and 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 be successful at it now yeah, th- this may sound like an interesting sort of place to go from here but um one of you are known for many many things of course and and one of them is being a uh leader uh, amongst quote unquote hippies and the counterculture and we we hear and we read stories of hippies coming and seeking you and your family out and and then you becoming um an icon or drafted into a culture uh, in the United States of, of some kind of a social awakening, you know, maybe even a spiritual awakening. And so I'm curious how you think about the, that time in your life when um, you were becoming known in the United States and beginning to speak here and, and, and sort of beginning to participate in uh, uh, this quote-unquote counterculture. Well, uh, that's very interesting because when I came to United States, and actually I arrived in England first, and there was a lot of hippies. And my first exposure, uh, more or less, to uh, people from the West was through hippies. And uh, they said to me, you know, would you please come and bring your message of peace to the West? So I said, okay. And it was during that time I was... uh, in summer vacation from my school. So I said, okay, I'll come um, and I'll talk. And, and I, I wanted to see if, if people would even be open to the message of peace in the West because I was born in India and I was raised in India until I was 13. Um, and India was a poor country and uh, people were very humble. So it's like, yeah, well, okay, idea of peace sounds really good to uh Poor people and people who are rich, they may not be open to the idea of peace. So I came and uh, I, I, you know, at that time I was from India and uh, hippieism was very alienating to me. And so I never really latched on to it. People were, uh, the, the, they were the way they were around me. Um, and also, you know, I was so lucky. I never, I never got into drugs and, and things like that. And that's what a lot of that was going on. But to me, I came here to bring the message of peace. And that was it. This is all I stayed with. Uh, and my course has been just exactly that. Whether you call this to be a spiritual message, I, I don't think so. Because spiritual messages, you know, also goes on to what happens to you after you die and where you came from and all of that stuff. And I take a pragmatic view, and which is 
you have no idea. There's nobody that has come back uh, and said, you know, yeah, this is what happens. I, you know, I, I saw this, I saw that. So there's all this floating stuff. And, and to me, it's like, listen, you cannot build your house on air. You have to do it on solid ground. Um, this is who we are. You know, we like to fly, but at the same time, <laughs> we'd like to get back on the ground in one piece. Uh, we love to swim, but not too far away from land. Uh, when we are too far away from land and in the ocean, we don't like it. So, so much of, you know, uh, the stuff that existed at that time, I really didn't attach to it. I just stayed attached to one thing, which is I am dealing with human beings. I never looked at them as hippies or non-hippies because they were every, every kind of person was coming to me. And I really, I really appreciated that the something in me uh, motivated me to see every person just as a human being, not the, what color eyes they had or what color hair they had or what sex they were or whatever was going on. Uh, just my message to them was, I am a human being, you are a human being, and from one human being to another human being, I say to you that peace is inside of you. And if you want to find that peace, perhaps I can help you. Now, does that make me a leader? I don't think so. I don't see myself as a leader in anything except my life. I'm leading my life and I, I should be leading my life because who else is going to lead my life? And uh, this is the message that I bring to other people, too. You should be leading your life. Um, and, and to me, uh, it stays that simple. And I, I want to stay humble and I want to stay simple because uh, I'm not into this leadership thing. Uh, I've seen what leadership does and all they do is they make promises and not keep them. But if that's what leadership is all about, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so to me, you know, the, the, everything has been really simple, um, that, that, that there is the possibility we, we are alive, that we have a fantastic opportunity. We've been given the reins of this planet, uh, and we should respect all life on Earth, that, that we should take care of uh, this planet, we should take care of each other. I mean, there is nobody like us around for billions and billions and billions and billions of light here. Uh, we are unique and, and, and we, should, we should celebrate that uniqueness. We should celebrate being on this planet Earth and we should celebrate having the most magnificent planet you can possibly imagine, the big, beautiful blue planet. Uh, instead of fighting over whether it is flat or it's spherical, we should be celebrating that we are here and that we can do something and that is to preserve it, to take care of it, to take care of each other, to, to bring our best to each person, to make a future for our children and their children and their children after that and so on and so on and so on. Now, Prem, over the course of your career, if I sort of understand the trajectory properly. And if I don't, please help me here. But it seems as though, um, you know, you start off, of course, very young. 
Um, and the conversation you're having with the world certainly centers on peace from, from that very young age. But it also seems, if I, if I understand it properly, that there is a spiritual uh, component to it. Some might even say a religious component to it. And it would appear as a casual observer of your life that over time you have sort of um, moved away from some of those more spiritual or religious uh, or things that could be interpreted through that kind of a lens. Um, And today you're focused less so on that and much more on this pragmatic discussion about our relationship with ourself and therefore our relationship with the world and our ability to create uh, peace inside and therefore outside. Is this trajectory that I'm seeing, is this how it has seemed to you? Uh, the, the fact of the matter for me is this. You know, when I was given this responsibility at the age of nine, I was still going to school. So you can imagine I would go out and I'm talking to 10,000 people on sitting on a stage. And then um, when the weekend is over, come Monday morning, I'm back in school and I'm sitting in my wooden chair and being a student. I, at that moment, there was such a contrast. There was such a difference that I looked at that and said, well, Prem, you have to figure out who are you? Are you a student or are you this, you know, person that goes out and talks about peace to people? And uh, when that, this time came, I had to say to myself, and that was very young, but I did say this to myself, just be real. Whatever you are, whatever the circumstances, just be real. And then don't get caught up in all the names and this and that. So I've, I've tried to steer a course since way back when. And a lot of people had expectations of me. And those people uh, took their expectations, sort of, and, and, and placed it upon me. This is what you should be. This is how you should be. This is how we want to see you. This is how you should look. But I have always tried to shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. And slowly and slowly and slowly, people have started to accept that. That the reality truly is, I'm a human being and I can help you. I can help you be in touch with yourself. And it works. And it doesn't have to be this, the, the, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody that falls out of the sky that has wings, has this and has that and all the trappings of everything else. If we cannot accept another human being as a human being and we have to see him as something else, I mean, this is where Superman comes in. I mean, the concept of Superman is so fascinating to people, but you have to realize that Superman is no human. And that is problematic. Superman should be not Superman, but really every man should be Superman. Not with superpowers, 
but the powers of kindness, powers of understanding, powers of joy, powers of generosity, these are the powers that we need to celebrate, not the powers of you are somebody special and you're some this and you're some that. And that's where we get lost. And for me, uh, I have always looked at this and said, look, you have to be real. And that's what I've tried to be. I've tried to be true to myself and real. And this is important to me. And that's, that's the trajectory that you are seeing um, emerge. It's fascinating because, I mean, it, it's clear that um, there were a lot of people who, I mean, many thousands, if not millions, who were uh, ready, willing, and able to put you on a pedestal and treat you like some kind of a, I mean, there's lots of words you could use, but some kind of a guru of some kind, some kind of a spiritual leader of some kind. And, and it seems like you have tried to, to use the phrase you, I think just used, uh, shaking some of that stuff off and just have the conversation you want to have and be the person you want to be. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I don't want to be a guru by a placard. I want to be guru by action. I don't want to have this title. There is plenty of gurus in this world who have the title of guru and they do no guruing at all. Uh, I want to be whoever I am by my deed, by my actions, not by titles. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm curious, you mentioned a little while ago the programs that you do with uh, incarcerated folks. And from what I understand, you know, some of uh, some very violent, some very angry, uh, some people who have done very evil things. And so I'm curious in, in that environment um, where you're dealing with somebody along those lines who may be very skeptical about everything that uh, you and your teachings bring forward. Um, how do you work with that kind of an individual to have them have some kind of a, a breakthrough in their own uh, relationship with themselves and ultimately with their own peace? Well, the peace education program is really a very powerful program. I mean, in the uh, Talangana state of India, there were five prisons that have been shut down uh, since the participants who took the peace education program, they, uh, when they were released, they never came back. So these prisons became more or less abandoned, and five of the prisons have been shut down. And that's quite, that's, that's quite a, a statement right there. But uh, it has not only been for the correctional and probation and parole systems, but also uh, community health and wellness, nonprofit and NGOs, civic and government, senior centers, police and law enforcement, military, veterans and uh, homeless shelters as well have benefited tremendously from the peace education program. And, you know, it's, Whatever the situation uh, human beings have, and instead of being frustrated, instead of, instead of just going the wrong direction and the wrong direction and the wrong direction, as soon as some light is cast upon the truth of it, that there is a possibility for those people to choose a different path, to be a different way, to choose 
kindness over over fear and anxiety and different things, they change because this is who we really are. I mean, this is truly who we really are. The tough act that we put is to take care of ourselves because we are afraid of some situation. But when all that curtain is lifted, you see a human being and that human being is shining with with those beautiful things of, of kindness, of generosity, of peace, of joy, of clarity. And when we live in doubt and fear and anger, uh, we don't look good and we don't do good. And, 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 and it's not good for us. But when we are in that place of joy, of peace, of understanding, we look good. That is truly, truly, truly what makes us shine. And if you think about the United States today, I believe we're at a very bizarre moment in time. Um, Yuval Harari, who wrote Sapiens, remarked uh, about this, and it really struck me when he said it, that for the first time in American history, uh, Americans are more fearful of other Americans than they are of any other uh, outside uh, nation or people. And and this sort of, quote-unquote, hatred of left and right and um, to our discussion earlier on drama and the news media and social media, just sort of stoking this fire and this hatred and Democrats hate Republicans and vice versa. And, and what happened on uh, January 6th with the storming in Washington and, and, and so forth and so on. It just seems to have been bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and being stoked and being stoked and being stoked over quite a few years now. And it seems to be going in the opposite direction. And so I'm curious through your lens, Prem, how the United States looks to you and, and what you think about the future of the U.S. Well, I, I have to again uh, say that there are a lot, a lot of very, very good Americans. I just want them to win. There are some Americans that are not so nice, but there are a lot of Americans who are strong, who are kind, who are powerful, and they need to win. And if it is only one voice and my voice, so be it. I will say it again and again and again, that America is a strong nation, and America is a good nation. Just like anywhere else, there are good people. And they need to win. They need to win. And if there are more like me, I would like them to join this voice and declare again and again and again that there is a lot that is good. On this planet Earth, there is a lot of good people that care. There's a lot of people who don't care. They should not be the ones winning. Unfortunately, they are the ones that are winning. And who should be winning are those people who are good. They don't have a strong voice, so then they need a strong voice. You know, I don't have any political ambitions, and I have said that many, many times. I don't, I, I'm not going to run for politics. But 
that's not the only platform. Just communicating to each other uh, the goodness of us is very, very important. So yes, there are very confusing times, very, very confusing times and shocking times. You know, the gentleman, the Yuval Harare, he talked about, you know, and in another book he talks about the brilliance of human beings standing in line for something. I mean, it's just like, you know, if it was a buffet, the monkeys would never be taking turns. They would just be jumping at it. But we can do things um, in a way that is just really beautiful, very elegant, very nicely. And when we do, we look good. And maybe we forget sometimes that we are human. And as such, it is so important for us to be cognizant of that, that there is this possibility. Uh, it doesn't have to be all, you know, drama and all, all the stuff that we get involved in. And, and, you know, if somebody says, go left, we'll go right. Why did you go right? Because somebody said, go left. That is not logical. That is not logical. That is totally illogical. And to me, the most important thing is whatever it may be. Look, you know, I always give this example. If there is a box and in that box there is a ring and it is incredibly precious ring. So far that precious ring is in that box. The value of the box also goes up. But when the ring is taken away from that box, the value of that box falls to whatever it is worth. To me, it's the same thing. America as a country is just a box. What's in the box is what makes that box that much more valuable. And if, if, if that ring was nothing, then the box would become nothing. But if that ring is worth something, there is some preciousness to that ring, then that box too becomes incredibly precious. Any country is like that. The, the judgment of any country is not on documents or flags or military marching or all the other things that people do. But the, the value of the country is really about its people, how happy they are, how peaceful they are, how much they love peace, how much they enjoy peace. That's where it comes from. Um, and then, you know, of course, somebody comes up with a definition of what happiness is. Happiness is a very, it's, 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 it's subjective. It's not objective, it's subjective. I mean, if there's somebody who's got everything and all of a sudden you see them crying and you say, why are you crying? You have everything. It, it doesn't work like that. You know, yes, you may be rich. Yes, you may have your future secured. And I know so many people who were devastated. Uh, they had a lot of money and had everything, but then all of a sudden, you know, something bad happened. They had to go to prison for it. And uh, they're crying because happiness is very, very subjective. This is about you, what you feel. 
not objective. You cannot come up with a definition. You cannot come up with a formula and say, well, because of this and this and this and this and this, you are happy. That's that's bizarre. You know, that's bizarre. That's bizarre. It's just like, hey, I really like this dish. So everybody should like this dish. It's not like that. You know, you may like a dish and there may be somebody who just goes, that tastes gross. So these are subjective things, and we keep taking things that are subjective and making them objective. That's not going to work that way. Let let America be free, uh, not not be constrained by these weird ideals, but be free, because that's what America is about. And America has big enough heart to allow people of all race and culture to subexist in this country to blossom, you know, and America doesn't need to say we're not big enough, we need to be this way or we need to be that way. Everybody can blossom. When when all the trees blossom together, it's going to make for something fantastic. Look look at what happens in the desert. Maybe there is one little spring and then around the spring, and I talk about that in this book. And, you know, a few birds come, they land because there's water, they put the seeds down, and next thing you know, there's a few trees, and next thing you know, there's more birds, and then there's more bees, and there's more flies, and there's more butterflies, and there's more this, and next thing you know, there's a proper oasis. And everything that's there blooms in that oasis. America, too always has been looked at as an oasis. This is the place where anybody should be able to come. I mean, this is what Statue of Liberty is all about. The tired, the you know, those people who are unfortunate to come and to put their weights down and, and, and to relax and rest for a minute to say, I have come to a country which will allow me to blossom. And when I blossom, the country will blossom. This is the country of Statue of Liberty, and we should never forget that, ever. Incredibly well said, and I couldn't agree with you more as an, as an immigrant to this country myself. Now, Prem, is there anything else that you would like to touch on before we wrap? No, I think it's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, conversation with you, Chris. Really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your time. Thank you for uh, an extraordinary life of service and for taking the time to write this wonderful book. I think it's going to make a difference to many. It's, uh, it's very well written. It's very easy um, to consume. And yet there's uh, many, many profound things on many of these pages. So Prem, thank you so much. And you are welcome back anytime to talk about anything. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Bless you, brother. Thank you. Well, there he is, the legendary Prem Rawat right here. And I sure hope you enjoyed this dialogue as much as I did. And if you did, why not uh, share it right now? Also want to remind you that Prem's new book is called Hear Yourself, How to Find Peace in a Noisy World. Now, as you know, there's no such thing as a legendary organization today that does not have a data flywheel, a powerful approach to collating and acting on data about your customers and your market. And you see, my friends at Splunk are the leaders in data to everything, bringing data to every question, every decision, and every action. Splunk is a scalable and reliable data platform for investigating, monitoring, 
analyzing, and, of course, acting on data. Visit splunk.com slash D, the number two and the letter E today, to learn how you can turn data into doing. That's splunk.com slash D2E. All right. We would like to thank Pram one more time. Thank you so much. Uh, His new book is out. Hear Yourself, How to Find Inner Peace in a Noisy World. And you can also check him out on the internet at pramrawat.com. My friends at Atranet have been building legendary B2B websites on the uh, internet in Silicon Valley uh, for over 20 years. Check out atre.net today. My friends at Malibu Milk are the world's first whole plant organic flax milk. And Malibu Milk is the first milk company made by a mom. If you're looking for an alternative milk, Try the small, tasty change that makes a very big difference. Malibu Milk with a Y.com today. My friends at Bottleneck.online are there to help you scale you with the power of a distant assistant. Check out Bottleneck.online today. And don't forget to go to Lockhead.com and subscribe to Category Pirates. Uh, it's sort of like the Harvard Business Review, but for pirates. And my friends at One Life Fully Lived are uh, the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Check them out. The number one, lifefullylive.org. And if you can, (laughs) dig into your wallet and make a difference. Um, There are so many places in our country and in our world that need help right now. And if you can... Uh, why not Why not make a difference right now? All right, this podcast is a sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and all rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that clearly this podcast gets created in a studio that does contain nuts. I must tell you, uh, producer Jason sent me an incredible uh, uh, package of nuts here from nuts.com recently that I've been enjoying. Technical Awesomeness and Lockhead.com by Jamie J and Sarah Knox. Show notes by the handsome and talented GM Simon. Don't forget to listen to Blue Rodeo. George Carlin was right. Uh, Call your mom. Don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. Please take two podcasts and email us in the morning. Blackhole at lockhead.com. Candy Dandy keeps all the trains running on time. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I love you very much. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Carson Sweet, CEO of Cloud Passage. Sorry, Carsey. We just ran out of time for you. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with us. Please stay safe, stay legendary, and until we hang out again, follow your different.